It's story time at Disc Radio. And there's a story coming from us to you. Hello there and welcome to Same Same But Different on season two of this radio. We are the Dutch International Storytelling Center. And my name is Connor. And I'm Sahiti. Today we have a story from Zina. Zina is a good friend of DISC, a storyteller who splits their time between Groningen and Amsterdam. In Groningen, Zina runs the Grand Pillow Society another great storytelling organization that does amazing events in person and online. So at the end, you're going to hear a little clip from Zina, kind of providing some more context and perspective on this wonderful, currently untitled story. It started long before he was born. But the beginning was so gradual and subtle that nobody really noticed. By the time his father was born, there was no denying. The ocean was disappearing. By the time he was born, the giant waves that had hid across the, against the cliffs of his ancestral home had disappeared. The ocean was no longer to be seen from the windows of where their ancestors had always seen it. But even though the ocean wasn't visible, it formed his life completely. It was the stories that his grandparents and his parents and his uncle told him. It was the songs he learned to sing, the songs of those who went out across the sea and of the loved ones who stayed behind. It was in the skills they taught him how to tie knots, to raise sails on the giant mast that they had put on the cliffside, to mark his spot on the land based on the stars above. To keep the lighthouse going. When he was six years old, his grandfather took him to see the sea. It was days and days and days of travel, but it was the best day of his life. For there he heard what his grandfather had told him, the giant roaring of the sea, the crashing of the waves, the last little of the popping, of the popping bubbles when the waves pulled back. He felt the power of the ocean as the wave turned him upside down he didn't know what up or bottom was and filling his trunks with sand although those who had known the ocean would have told him that this great roaring of the ocean now only sounded like a purr and that this mighty wave that once toppled ships could at most topple a six-year-old boy there sitting by the ocean his grandfather had told him how the ocean had always take care of, taken care of their ancestors for as long as they could remember. First feeding them with fish and later taking them on adventures to far off lands where they would bring back flavors and smells and objects beyond anyone's imagination. Treasures that filled their home, treasures that they had been selling off now one by one to survive. When he was 14 years old, 
His, his father let out such a sigh after reading the paper that they all stopped in their tracks and looked at him. And he heard his father say, it's official now, it's gone. And the heaviness of the silence cut into his heart. And all he could hear was the empty howling of the wind over the empty ocean, this high whistling howl. And his grandmother shut the window, that infernal sound. And his grandfather said, it will be the death of us yet. And it was. He believed so deeply that it was the sound of the wind blowing over the empty seas that killed them all and left only him. That's when he started writing, writing in the logbooks all the stories they had told him, the lyrics of the songs, but he had to sing them to remember their melodies, to remember their rhythms. He wrote, he wrote, and in the and always keeping up the lighthouse, keeping the fire going at night, tying the knots, practicing the sails, practicing remembering how to mark where he is by the stars in the sky. And he would go down into the villages and to the towns below, always searching, trying to find an old person who remembered the sea, sharing their memories. But it became harder and harder to find anyone who remembered the ocean or even cared to hear about it. By the time the last old man in the village who remembered the sea died, he fell apart at his funeral, wailing, crying at his grave, crying out that he now was the last memory of the sea. There was no one left. The last memory of the sea, that's what the villagers started calling him in jest and contempt. The children throwing stones at him. Ha ha, last memory of the sea, this crazy hermit living up on the cliff, keeping a lighthouse burning for ships that would never come. And so he stopped going. And this became his life. And as his bones grew old and weary, and his body gray and sad and heavier, he gave up. He let the house go. He stopped lighting the lighthouse. He stopped hoisting the sail. All he did now was sit in that rocking chair, rocking back and forth, because this was the movement that was in his DNA. Tying knots, not to remember how to tie them, but simply because that's what his hands had always done. And singing the songs of the sea, not to remember them, but simply to drown out that infernal sound of the high-pitched wailing of the wind over the empty sea bottom. And it was on one of those days that was the same as every other, that he saw a human figure come across the empty seabed. He looked through his binoculars and saw it was a child, a dark-skinned child, tripping and falling, seemingly exhausted. And he went down that ladder that he had not gone down for decades, faster than his body could ever move before, grabbing this child, taking it, putting her in his bed, nursing her. When she opened her eyes, she smiled a smile so bright it brought a feeling in his chest that he had not felt since before his family died. He tapped his chest and said, hi, Dylan. And she smiled and said, halabli. And then quickly found out that there was not a single word both of them understood from what the other one said. But she was young and eager to learn and ran around the space pointing at things. And he would go table, chair, and she would learn, learn to sing the songs even before she understood the words. She listened to the words that he read in the logbooks of the stories he had once written down, looked with him in the books of the pictures of the sea creatures that he had once known all by heart. She, for him, he, she started to, tar to hoist the sails again, teaching her to mark the spot on land based on the stars above. And he realized 
that that word that had been echoing in his head, that word that was failure, he now had a chance. And on one of these days when he was rocking and she opened a book, the book of sea creatures, and she pointed suddenly, excited, Dylan, Dylan, what, what? And he's like, oh, that's an octopus. And she pointed at him and said, Dylan, octopus. He's like, no, I'm not an octopus. I'm a human. Dylan, octopus. And no matter what he said, she insisted. And from then on, he was Dylan, octopus. And he would keep his arms out of his sleeves and like run up to her and wrap his arms around her like an octopus. Go, Dylan, octopus. And they'd sing the songs and he'd read the stories. Until one day she's sitting on his lap and he's reading a story and he remembers that day by the sea with his grandfather. He remembers what his grandfather had told him on that day when his grandmother had shut the window, when his father had said the ocean had disappeared. His grandfather had looked at him and said, Dylan, you will be the last memory of the sea. And it is your legacy to keep what our ancestors knew alive. It is you who shall hold on to the ocean and bring it to those who have never known it. And there with his child on his lap, he understood that he was doing finally what he was set on this earth to do. And so he said to her, Halabni, it was my legacy to hold on to the ocean and bring it to those who have never known it. And I am passing this legacy on to you. Do you understand? And that took a little more explaining because she was still very young, but finally she understood I hold the ocean. I bring it to those who don't know it. And she seemed to love her task. And then she looked at him and said, but where is it? And he realized that he had told her everything about the ocean, except that it had disappeared. And he pointed at the empty sea outside and said, well, there it used to be. And he explained to her that the ocean had gone. And she had a look on her face that he couldn't quite describe until she stamped her feet getting off his lap and said, no, no, the ocean isn't gone. The ocean isn't gone. And he realized he'd made a mistake. He was 14 when his grandfather had told him his legacy, and she was so much younger, too young to understand. From that moment on, she refused to listen to his stories, refused to sing the songs, refused to tie the knots. And all she did was draw in her books, draw, draw, draw. Draw mixing up the stories of the sea to the stories of where she is living now. Drawing trees that were on the cliffs but filled with crabs. Drawing the buckets that would roll across in the wind up over the empty sea, but now with octopuses holding them in their tentacles. Drawing fish flying over the cliffs in the lighthouse. And she wanted to go down the ladder to the seabed to explore. But he said no. This is not where humans must walk. I know this is where you came from, but this is not where humans must walk. He tried to distract her, saying, let's paint the lighthouse. Let's fix it up. Let's paint it the colors of the sea. And so he went and he took the colors, the grays and the blues and the greens. And she gathered pinks and purples and yellows. And he let her. He let her paint the garish colors that had nothing to do with the ocean in the hope that one day she would become willing again to listen. But she kept insisting. Down by the sea, she needed to go. And so he went in the hope that she would learn and be willing to listen. 
and they scoured the sea, but she's running ahead as if she has somewhere to go, but then suddenly distracted, picking up objects and things, laughing and running on until she suddenly was holding up a shell, a conch shell like they had once had, one of the many treasures they had sold. And he remembered the shell. He took it from her hand and held it to his ear, and it brought him back to when he was six years old, the sound of the sea. He held it to her. He said, Halabli, listen, this is the sound of the sea. And he held it to her ear and she pulled back and said, no. And he held it to her ear and she pulled back and he grabbed her head and he pushed it against the shell and she screamed and pushed and the shell fell and the tip broke off. And he stood in silence. As she picked up the shell and looked at it, quizzically her head to a side, and looked at him defiantly, her two feet in the sand, and she took the shell up and blew through the cracked hole, and out of the shell came a sound like the sea over the empty seabed wind, howling stronger than he had ever heard before, and he heard the voice of his grandmother, this infernal sound, and his grandfather, it will be the death of us, and he grabbed the shell, and he grabbed the child. He locked her in the house, he pulled up the ladder, he held that shell in a large pocket by his side, no, was he ever going to hear that sound again. And she fought, and she argued, and she screamed, Dylan, no octopus, Dylan, no octopus, Dylan, blow, blow, bring the sea, bring the sea. One morning he awoke, and the amount of destruction in the house was beyond comprehension that a child so small could have created this. The pages torn out of his logbooks, crumpled up, broken objects everywhere, the door open, the ladder hanging down, and she was gone. He scoured with his binoculars, but she could not see seed anywhere. And so he climbed down the ladder after her, running, searching, calling out her name. But there was nothing following the footsteps that slowly disappeared in the wind until there was no idea which direction to go. And he sat down and he felt the sharp edge of the conch shell and the large pocket by his side. He pulled it out and looked at it. This infernal sound will be the death of us still. Who do we owe our loyalty to? To our ancestors or our descendants? And he heard her voice, Dylan Blow. And so he took the conch shell. He put it to his lips and he blew, blew the sound, the sound that his ancestors had feared, the sound that was killing them all, the sound of the sea bed, empty howling wind. And then he saw a bucket with a tentacle come out and another, an actual octopus coming out of a red bucket. And the octopus took the bucket by the handle and started running towards him, just like the drawings of Halabli. And the octopus hauled up its tentacle, grabbed his hand, and started to pull him forward. He followed the octopus, its slimy tentacle in its hand, towards the edge of what appeared to be a giant cliff to a lower seabed, and as far as he could see, there were coral reefs of pinks and purples, greens and yellows and little ponds and pools of water. There were trees full of crabs. 
There were fish flying from pond to pond and octopuses that seemed to be farming. And amidst them was a child, a dark-skinned child, clapping her hands, dancing, spinning around, yelling to him, Dylan Octopus, look, Dylan Octopus, I bring you the ocean. It's here. If you enjoyed this one and haven't heard the other stories, we encourage you to check out the rest of season two. This season, Same Same But Different, was produced by Connor McMullen with writing and editing support from Sahiti Sarva. And the music is by Ashutosh. Hi, Connor. Here's a video clip of uh, what I would do differently with the story now. Uh, as always, when we share a story the first time, it comes out in a certain way, and then having shared it, realized like, oh, certain parts of it I judge didn't work as well. And what I would definitely want to tell differently next time is that I wouldn't have it be the grandparents or the parents who tell him that he is the legacy and that it is his responsibility to remember the sea. I would actually turn it around that they would be experiencing sadness and loss and he would want to care for them and it is his idea and his um, wish to remember the sea for them and to be their legacy. So it comes from his wanting and not from it being put on him. And yes, that I would change about the story now if I when I've listened to it again. Please tune in next time for more stories.